friends, it's Pegmol Queen and I have great news. The next Ashtanga Dispatch magazine is now available for you to pre-order. Just visit ashtangadispatch.com backslash the magazine for details. And now, the episode you've been anxiously waiting for, part two with John Scott. In part one, John talked to us about how this yoga is helping us return to our original nature before we went and made ourselves separate in name and in form. If you haven't listened to that one yet, go back, go back and listen to it. It's so powerful. Today in part two, John shares his intimate experiences as a student with Guruji and why this counted method really is meditation. Ekam, Dve, Trini is Guruji's yoga mala with every beat counted and meditated on. So according to John, you don't need to learn meditation. You're already doing meditation. Seriously, if your mind was blown in part one like mine, get ready, because John was only just getting started. Well, I'll tell you, tell you another little nice little story. Greg Nardi, who's my philosophy teacher on our teacher training, Greg tells a story with his conversations with Guruji. And of course, Greg, being more of an academic type person, wanted to devour as many books as he could. And so he was asking Guruji about the Yoga Sutras. And Guruji said to Greg Nagini, don't read the Yoga Sutras. He said, it will just confuse you. Read the Hatha Yoga Pradikapa. Yes. So, so Guru, Guruji told <laughs> um, Greg to read the Yoga Pradikapa first. In my case, <laughs> Guruji didn't tell me to read anything. <laughs> because... I, I'm, I'm, I'm just not an academic type. And so, but what Guruji did say to me, and he was pointing at me, he said, that man, which is me, is only exercising. <laughs> so he actually pointed to me and said, I was only exercising. And he said, this is mind control. So, What's beautiful about Guruji is that everyone had a personal relationship with Guruji on their level. And for me, that's why I understand his, his I call them the Guruji Sutras. So for me, the Guruji Sutras is 99% practice, 1% theory. That sutra just can be, can be decoded and decoded in many, many different ways. Like, you know, you've got to do your practice because life's coming at you. You know, all is coming at you. You can describe it in many, many ways. But he he really just wanted, and again, maybe in 50 or less words, Guruji taught me. Wow. It was all, he didn't, we didn't have much conversation except for intimate interactions. You know, I had many times where I was just one-to-one with Guruji asking about his his son and his life and my questions weren't about the practice um, but he had his hands on me on every posture that I did when I first was with Guruji I didn't realize I was learning a language and so I had no no pre preliminary uh, homework research study on Sanskrit 
So when Guruji was saying to me, Chatwari Pancha Shat, I thought he was saying, jump back, up dog, down dog. Yeah? Because remember, in those days, he wasn't saying much. He never said much anyway. Maybe to Richard Freeman, he said a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because they could converse. So it was actually on my third visit, or second, second or third visit, and each time I was there, I was there with Lino Miali, and it was Lino that's and, and and he said he'd just been to Paris, and witnessed Guruji doing a class, and he was counting, and and Lino came back and said, John, 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 he's counting. <laughs> So we then asked Guruji, and way, way, way back in the front row of his little shala, Lino and I, side by side, with a clipboard, Guruji counted us through. And we, we jotted it down, we wrote it all down. And so I directly was given the count by Guruji. Wow. So when he then said counted method, we then realized we were counting. Now to use the word transcend, Guruji knew what I was thinking. He knew where exactly which posture I missed out. He was in a real deep focus. He was not in an ordinary thinking mind. He was in a meditative place. He was in a focus place. Through through a desire to, to learn meditation, I ended up, after Siddha Yoga meditation, I went and did a transcendental meditation. So I went and got my transcendental meditation personal um, mantra. And when I, what was so beautiful about that experience was that I realized that two things. From the Shivananda tradition, I was going for Shaktipa from, from Guru Maya. And I had the realization that I'd been given Shaktipat from Guruji. What was I doing here? I didn't need to be there. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so then when I was at the Transcendental Meditation one, I go, hang on a minute, Guruji's already given me my mantra. Ekam Dwe Trini. And so when I had the realization that, oh my God, I'm actually doing Transcendental Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga. If I was to make a style and a form... I would label it <laughs> Transcendental Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga because that's what we're doing. For me, it's, um, if you have a look at my my beads here, this is Tristana. I've got three beads on my little mala. Guruji's book was called the Yoga Mala. Every bead is to be counted and meditated on. And so I've made malas. Sometimes for, for, sometimes for a bit of a joke at a workshop. In fact, it was that Italy one that your friend was on. I put a silver one and then this brown one, then a red one and a silver, a brown one and a red one and a brown one. And I had five beads, six beads counting the silver one. And it was my five vinyasa for Trikonasana. And so Guruji's mala, it's a, it was all about counting. The whole thing. What's what was the mala about? Mala is all about meditation too. 
And he shakes his head. You don't need to learn meditation. You're already doing meditation. You're doing a dynamic movement meditation. It's so simple. It's all there. But obviously we didn't hear it. We didn't see it. We didn't feel it because we were all caught up in our ordinary thinking Western minds. Thinking we knew it all, how to put legs behind our heads and grab our ankles and things. All attached to form, name, form, how, how good my hamstrings are. It's true. And that kind of brings me to even the first question that I ever even had written down. And that was about the breath. I think that I've spent a long time decoding, putting words to wanting to understand. And lately I've been going just to breath and just, as you were saying, trying to find space, trying to find the experience instead of the words. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's right. So the problem is it all happens when we name and form. So as soon as we give something name and form, then we're caught up in memory. We're caught up in emotions. We're then caught up in associations, assumptions, and projections. And we project our reality. So we've got to back-engineer So if we take a book, a book is a story. And we get caught up in the dream world of a story. Our own dream story, which is millions of words. Words, 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 words. So if we take words back to chapters, from chapters to paragraphs, from paragraphs to sentences, from sentences, alphabet. When you were two, you were learning, or 18 months, you were learning one, two, three, ABCs. Guruji only had names of asanas for me, one, two, threes, the vinyasas, and the ABCs, and you do. It was as simple as that. The ingredients are that simple. He didn't want to go into the description of the form, because that once you gave it, you filled it up. So the other sutra that's a beautiful sutra is the Tibetan Heart Sutra. The Tibetan Heart Sutra where form is emptiness and emptiness is form. As I said, every asana is going to be born but dies. It's impermanent. But we, we put value onto, we put more value on Ekapadashya Sasana than we do Janusha Sasana. But there's no difference between Janusha Sasana and Ekapada. It's what we put on it. And as soon as we load it up with it, it's full of projection. It's full of misunderstanding. It's full of all um, misleading values for other people if we pass it on that way. We're trying to back-engineer from that. Then we're already too full with all our own story. And so we've got to eclipse that. So getting back to the eclipse, there's two real exemplars. Let's say three exemplars of eclipsing. Jesus, Buddha, Patanjali. If you think of the the, the symbolic representation, Jesus has a halo. Buddha has a halo. All of the Christian, all the Christian have, all the saints have halos. All the Indian ones have halos. But if you look then even further into it, into the symbology, look at Jesus again. 
usually Jesus' chest is open. The chest is open, and there's a flower with light shining out. If you look at the statue of Buddha, he has a great big disc behind his back. There's a smaller one around his head, then a much bigger one around his back, which is centered on the heart. Have a look the next the next time you look at that. I'm going down. That, huh? Yeah. That's an eclipse. That's an eclipse. They are they are exemplars of people who eclipse themselves, meaning they eclipse their individual selfish self to be their selfless self. Guruji was selfless. There was nothing in it for Guruji other than you you going into yoga. There was nothing for him in it. Yes, he got lots of money, but that was only because people threw it at him. Really. So when we're in our selfish self, every action that we do is about what's in it for us. When we're in our selfless self, that equation doesn't exist anymore. When we're in our selfless self, then there is no time. Because we're not tied to the end result. You know, one of my questions for you was the whole do your practice and all is coming. And all I keep thinking as you're talking is do your practice and all is coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, understanding. Yeah. How that we, we... we lost it somewhere along the way. <laughs> and don't trust the experience at all. It's so yeah. funny. You're like, I was thinking even back to where we started and I told you that I didn't trust even that I could get through a practice with the count and with the breath and not find a way out, A, or it didn't even occur to me that it would work. We well, see, so what what happened also with Guruji is there was a time in the old Shala, Lino, myself, and Dina Kingsburg. We went through second series together, posture for posture and synchronicity. We practiced in synchronicity. David might have told you that that in our classes we get people practicing in sync, counting together. Um, in Guruji's practice in Mysore, I won't call it Mysore practice. We were practicing as individuals within a, within a group. When he taught outside of Mysore, he brought all individuals together as one. So in Mysore, we were able to be Jonathan Livington Seagull. We were able to go to great lengths to see what we were able to do within our body. When you were in a vinyasa class with Guruji, there was no Jonathan Livingston Seagulls. You were one. Now, when we teach the counted method, it's twofold. When Guruji is counting a counted class, he is the one that's the most focused because he's counting each mala of each posture. 
if you and I practice together. So let's say we put our mats down together, we do Surya Namaskar A and B together, and you count in your head, and I count in my head. And we move synchronously. Are we not then moving like one body? Are we not then moving like one breath? If we're actually thinking the same number, are we not thinking the same thought? If we're thinking the same thought, aren't we then one mind? If we're one mind, there's a potential for us to be one consciousness. So, if you have one practitioner practicing by themselves, the energy wave is one. With two practitioners practicing together like that, what would the energy wave be? One. So the ordinary thinking mind would either give one or two. It's not the sum of, it's a multiplicity. It's actually to the power of. It actually becomes four. Two to the power of two is four. The energy wave is four. So when you get a group meditating together, that's why you can feel the stillness. Because it's palpable. It's a multiplication. So when you count a group through, and if you get the participants to also be counting in their head, what's happening is everyone is aligning. <laughs> this is alignment. Wow. When you're all aligning to the same vibration, a thought is a vibration. You transcend your individual self. That's why in those group classes you find that you have more energy or you're able to do this when you can't do it on your own. That's the other spiritual aspect, the magic part of practicing together that way. So I come from, I come from New Zealand. I understand that we have like lots of cows in New Zealand and they counteract all the yogis. All the yogis are trying to go om and all the cows are going moo. That's a joke. Sorry. I, I'm... <laughs> the cows are going arming backwards. So that's called an interference pattern. <laughs> if we can get the cows arming as well. <laughs> that's adorable. That's cute. <laughs> so you know what it's like those days that you're practicing and someone comes into the room with their mat and they go with their mat and they shake it and it cracks. Yeah. They drop their keys on the floor and then their coat's got a, a Velcro zipper on it and all that sort of stuff. That's called an interference pattern. Can your focus bring them in? Yeah? I understand. It. I mean... It's a scientific fact. If you have one speaker like this, sends out an arm, the energy wave is one. Put another speaker exactly beside it doing an arm, it'll be a, a, a sine wave of four, two to the power of two. But if this one's doing a different frequency, it'll cancel out. And you know what it's like when, so when you do practice, and that, what's magic, if you can get to be in that environment where the person or the people you're practicing with are counting as well, and you're in synchronicity. So what happens in my teacher trainees, I teach them this way, we count together. There might be six of us counting together. And we have a timeless practice. We have a practice that carries everybody through. And they, 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 their personal progress 
benefits from it. And that's kind of why when you're practicing alone, it's easier to become distracted, but within a group, harder. Yeah, yeah. If if the if the focus of the group is in there, mm-hmm. then there's nothing like it. And so the so complete self practice is difficult. Complete uh, unless, you, un, unless you are a researcher, unless you are able to use the technique to get yourself into a place where you're in a great inquiry. You're, you're really realizing that there's something more than just this physical body that's moving through space and time. Well, I will tell you that even though this morning I was pretty convinced I wasn't going to get all the way through, I did have experience, you know, since I've been practicing alone here in Montana, I don't have a community, so it is pretty much my daughter and myself in the mornings, that that is often how, I mean, that is the only way I can bring myself back. That is the only way is I have to go right back to the count. I have to become so almost determined, actually. It's almost willful on my part because it's so easy for me to go somewhere else. Good. So, Pig, here's the thing. How long have you been practicing? A really long time, so I'm really embarrassed to say. (laughs) That's okay. So, and you're in Montana, and there's no teachers in Montana. Right. Start a group. You start a group. That's how it was in Guruji's day. I'm also pre-certificate. I took certification when Lino Miali started to try and make a federation of Ashtanga practitioners. But prior to that, there was no certificate. It was just your experience. And Guruji would say, you teach. You share or pass on what you're doing. That's way back. So I'm saying to you, Peg, in Montana, there's no one passing on this method. You've been, if you've, if, how much have you done with David? I've uh, studied a good bit with different teachers, yeah. for sure, and David has been... A- then, then, then really research out what, what it is that you're starting to discover, that this practice is a <laughs> transcendental... <laughs> Dynamic meditation, the method is counting it. It's a mind control just simply by counting vinyasa, which is which is a body-breath mind. I describe it like um, three balls. There's the body ball, the breath ball, and the mind ball. Most people are quite happy just juggling the body. They might try and add the breath in, you know, like add a second ball in. But drop the ball, the breath ball, because they're still on the hamstring or the back bend, and the breath goes stiff, yeah? And then they might pick up the breath ball again and put that back in. Not even knowing that there's a third ball to be juggling. <laughs> Why? So I teach it the other way around. We've got to, we've got to juggle the, the, the mind ball first. Akam dwe trini, chatwari pancha shat. Then add in breathing with that. Akam inhale, dwe exhale. And then add in, akam inhale, arms up. It's exactly how Guruji said it. His dialogue. Akam, inhale, arms up. Number, breath, body. Then it's 
looking place, look thumbs. So if you chart it, so in my book, I've got it, number, breath, action, drishti, four columns. In fact, I play around and I go number, breath, action, drishti, other. Other meaning, oh, look how beautiful my hamstrings or backbenders. And most people are in their other column. And some teachers even teach from their other column. How? Maybe they... Oh, we made things so complicated. Totally. Just go back to number and breath. And only give an instruction for an action if the student doesn't know what to do. And when Guruji taught you, you thought the numbers were the action. So yeah. how powerful and, is that? Yeah. How and little so it needed. How? Yeah. Yeah. We, we overcomplicate things. We dress them up with metaphor. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I love metaphor. <laughs> I'm full of metaphor. But I save it for technique classes. I save it for introductions. John, this cannot be our last time talking. I cannot believe you, you want to talk about not knowing where time goes. Greg Nardi had been up until date the longest podcast I have done. You have surpassed that and we <laughs> haven't even. I, David said, did you write down questions? And I said, no, I probably should. And so because he made me nervous, I went and wrote down questions. <laughs> I'm looking at them on the side of my screen and you went through every single question without me even asking. Thank you. That You're welcome. So generous, so generous with your time. And I'm so absorbed and I can't believe that this would be the last there there must be more please <laughs> okay john thank you i I, I usually ask people if there's anything coming up that i can share and i and i hope you will right now just let me know if there is anything where people can come study with you do you how would they best know the best way to find out is the John Scott Facebook page. Well, the John Scott Facebook. I don't do the Facebook because it, it just doesn't. I, just, I did that. I had heard that. <laughs> but Graham, a guy called Graham does the Facebook for me. And when it was first set up, people thought it was me. And then Graham came out. <laughs> <laughs> But so Graham, Graham is sort of like my Facebook uh, manager and I just give him all the stuff that's happening. And so I understand that people are in there in all those vrittis. They are out there in their ordinary thinking mind and we do operate a lot in there. So I, I understand the power of that. So any, that's where I put it all out there and then sharpen it up in class. <laughs> Well, I, I will definitely direct people there and to your website as well because yeah, the web, website's changing a little bit. Um, uh, uh, Lucy's changing. Um, I don't particularly 
I'm the world's worst admin person. And I've re- uh, last year or so, Lucy and I divorced, separated and divorced, uh, but we still teach together on our teacher trainings. And so Lucy's taking over the John Scott uh, Yoga website, to, and it's predominantly going to be the John Scott Yoga teacher training website um, and Lucy's, um, Lucy's courses and activities that she's doing. So the teacher training program is on the John Scott website, but it, 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 it won't have what John Scott's doing. Okay. That's all on the, that's all going to be on the Facebook. Perfect. I will direct people there. Um, John, I've really been quite taken with so much of what you've said. And, and like I said, if I was ever going to sum it up, it would be all is coming back, going back. Great, go for it. Find title it. You can you can title it that. Right, the simplicity. You took away all the complications, all the colorings that we put on it, all the hoops that we make. Every jump through. through ourselves, jump through, not just others. Yeah. You stripped it all down and brought it back to a very bare and simple and beautiful beginning. Wow, it's beautiful. Well, I don't. I don't know how you 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 work this. Uh, you write it, or you? How do you? I. How, how do you share this? Do you know? Oh, I I've had to explain this to more than one. So this is a podcast. Yeah. So this will be your words. Are oh great! Like yeah, this is all you. Um, People listen, they download our conversation. And I'm a bit of a technophobe as well. So. <laughs> it's, I, I'm laughing. No, you're not the first person, actually. Um, I, Tim Feldman, I interviewed him once, and it was until the very end, and Kino hit him and said, Tim, do you realize this is a podcast? And he did. <laughs> okay. It was yeah, we're, horrible. We're, well, we're, we're pre-emails. Remember? Right. He, thought, he said, I thought you were just going to write this up. And no, in fact, there are students out there. And what's lovely is that they're in all corners of the world, all corners of the world. You wouldn't believe they're everywhere. And a lot of them are in places where, again, there is no teacher or they're practicing alone. And these podcasts kind of bring everybody together. It It's lovely to have a teacher like you who we might not be, somebody might not be able to study with you or have that connection and to be able to hear your words and listen to the way you teach and what you're sharing and your experience is really meaningful to a lot of students out there. So it doesn't come through my filter. It actually is directly from your voice. It's everything that you said will actually go out with your voice. Okay. Everything. Yeah. So I'll send that along to you, but for me personally, it's been incredibly meaningful because it's that, again, going right back to the experience, which is so hard for me to trust. So easy to trust what I can see, the the words that I can put, even as a writer, the experience, so subtle, so ethereal kind of sometimes, and yet so powerful. But the way you said we have that experience, it's within us. It's the way we were born and coming back to that is. And I leave you, 
I leave you too with the idea that in Montana, it needs to be started. And so with your experience then, that the, what's so good about that is one of those beautiful sayings, we teach the things we most need to learn ourselves. So the moment that you start trying to teach this practice, then you really start to really go into the research of it. And so one of the other things with the counting, because I do teach internationally, when I'm, when I'm in China, for example, I have to meet the Chinese with their mother tongue. So I learn to count in Chinese. If I'm going to get them to count in Sanskrit, I've got to first try and count in Chinese. If I'm then in Israel, counting in Hebrew, that's a hard one to do. In Japanese, the first time I taught in Japan, the Japanese students had never had yoga taught to them in Japanese. Eikum, ichi, sute, due, ni, haite. And they knew straight away what to do. Because I was saying, ichi, sute, ni, haite. So that was one inhale, two exhale. And my body then showed what to do. You keep it so simple, you make a bridge, and the bridge is the, is the language, but it's interesting, the bridge is what I call the mantra. We're just sharing the count. And Guruji clearly said it, counted method. Very simple, but very difficult. It's difficult to count. The ego will jump in there and say, why do I need to count? I'm already doing long, slow breaths. But are you metering it? Are you measuring it? Are you, is it in relationship to time and space? And so the, the, the count really becomes a meter, a measure. We're going to have a part two. Okay, go. <laughs> I'm, I promise you because I would really like to go back and then come forward and see you again. Well, next time you can ask me some questions and then I'll answer it then. And then you can ask the next question and I'll answer it. And no, I'll it <laughs> I love the way we just did it. And I will say as a side note before we go that it is very clear that David is your student and you're his teacher. The, the things that you have shared were not new. So David... David does a beautiful job of embodying all of this and sharing this with us. So thank you. Oh, it's reciprocal. It's reciprocal. I regard David as, as he's my anatomy teacher. He qualifies what we discover together. He, we have lots of debates. There's an ongoing headstand debate, which we set up for our students. So when on the teacher training, he has one way of doing headstand and I have another way of doing headstand and we make it into a little debate. And then we start picking members to go on to each side and it's, it's a great, great way to do it. Yeah. And I could, just knowing now the two of you, I can bet I know how that ends. Yeah. <laughs> and in if, a hug. Not, if not with a side. <laughs> no, it ends in a hug. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon. I really appreciate this. You're welcome, Pig. And next time, for sure. Okay. Thanks everyone for tuning in to today's episode. And wow, a special thank you to John Scott. 
who was so generous with his time and shared so much of himself with us. What a special teacher he is. Visit John's Facebook page to find his teaching schedule. And if you can, go study with him in person. You know, this past year has been an exciting one for sure. We put out one magazine and now another is on its way. And even though today's podcast is only our 12th episode, it's heard all over the world by thousands and thousands of students. Trust me, this is not my doing. This is your doing. You are the devoted ones and you are the heart of everything we're doing at The Dispatch. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in today, for sharing the practice, and thank you for all the support. And big love to my producer and editor, Chris Lucas of CWLucas.com, who really makes this magic happen. By the way, we are now on Periscope and offering a weekly Asana Quick Fix every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Central Time. Details for this and everything else, including the next magazine, is all available on the website, ashtangadispatch.com. Our next few episodes will feature Jessica Walden and Mark Roberts, so stick around, because just like John, we are only just getting started. <laughs>